Good morning. Glad you're here this morning. Um, by the way, I noticed I was staying in the back of the room a minute ago when uh, Pastor Jerry, before worship, announced that I was preaching this morning, and I noticed nobody left. So thank you. Appreciate that. At that point, anyways. Now's your chance, but the lights are on, so I can see you now. So he might hurt my feelings. Um, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to preach for only like three hours today, so hang with me. It's going to be good, I hope. Um, I, I really feel like um, some things I, I, I need to share today. And so um, so just so you know, today today's message is um, as... Uh, it, I, it, I'm not funny today, just so you know. No funny. I know what they say, no funny, no money, but whatever. Um, I'm totally kidding, but um, I'm just, I'm talking about something a little bit more serious today. Um, <clears throat> we're just talking about some, some questions for God. And um, before we get there though, real quick, um, I just want to tell you like this past weekend, we had the opportunity to go to Springfield, Missouri. I took a group of students um, to Springfield for our fine arts festival and they all did short sermons and they all did amazing and uh, I'm super excited and proud of our students who participated in that um, so so that's going on um, and and in our student ministry we uh, we recently had baptisms I know we've been we've been hyping this up we showed the video last week we've been talking about this it, it was so amazing we baptized 17 students a couple week, weeks ago and then last week how how amazing was it? The the families that we got to baptize, Mike and Blenda and Ton and Linda and 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 um, Liana, and just the the beautiful testimonies that came out of that. Come on, can we celebrate that real quick? That was just that was so amazing. Maybe it's just me. I get hyped for test uh, baptisms. Anyways, I don't know, um, but. God's doing some amazing things in our church and he's doing some amazing things in our, in our student ministry. And this message today, um, it, it ties in with our student ministry and it ties in with, with questions for God. And, and uh, I just, I'm just going to tell you, t- today's message is, is, I guess I was just telling my daughter, I was like, it's, it's a little bit emo today. And so um, hang if you don't know what that means, just, I don't know, work with me. Um, by the way, found a phone in the coffee shop. We'll pick that up later. Um, I might take some selfies on it. So, um, but anyways, questions for God, questions for God. And uh, specifically, have you ever had questions for God that make you question God? And maybe for you, it's questions like that. Um, questions like that are why maybe you unfollowed Jesus at some point. Or maybe it's questions like that, that maybe you're on the, the verge of giving up on faith. Or maybe it's questions like that that are big and complicated. Maybe, maybe it's questions that are small and personal. And maybe they're, maybe they're a little bit unsettling. Questions that made you question God to the point to where you are now. And you're not even sure if you care or even if it matters and and you're and you're you're in the process of trying to figure out this whole God thing. Maybe for you, it's not that you have questions for God, but maybe somebody that you know, someone that you love, has questions for God, and they they're questioning God. I'm going to be saying that a lot today, just so work with me here. Uh, by the way, it's daylight savings. Um, anybody struggle to wake up this morning? Yeah. Um, Real quick, anybody grumpy this morning? 
Don't point fingers, I guess, like out throwing elbows this morning. Okay, just try this. Just smile a little bit. Smile. Let's, okay, good. All right. And so here, here's why we're talking about this today. Um, because if we're honest, I would say that we all have questions. We all have questions maybe that we even don't have answers for. And, and questions for God that maybe, um, maybe made us question God. And, and those questions can be really unsettling because those questions can often lead to doubts. And if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus like me, then it can be really weird when you feel doubts because you're really not sure what to do with it. Because it, it's kind of like you feel like it's, it's a bad thing to have doubts. And... Um, and it's a bad thing to like, I have, am I a bad Christian because I have doubts? And, and, and then maybe for you too, you're, you're afraid to talk to somebody because you don't want them to think you're a bad Christian. Because if I tell them I have doubts, then they'll think my faith is weak and they'll, they'll just judge me. And, and what, what if I'm, I'm not a, a Christian anymore because I have these doubts and because I have questions, so you know what? I'm just not going to say anything to anyone. I'm just going to stuff it all down inside. And that's not healthy. See, and the reason that we're talking about this is because all of us, at one point in our life or another, we've all had questions for God that made us question God. Maybe for you, your questions are around the question of like, well, how could a good and loving God allow so much pain and suffering to exist, right? That's a big question that a lot of people ask. Or how could a good and loving God allow war and famine and shootings and people to get hurt? And all those different things that are going on in the world, like how could he let that happen? Or maybe the suffering you, you see, and, and maybe for you, it's even more personal. Maybe you're trying to figure out how a good and loving God could take a situation where you find yourself picking up the pieces because the person who said that they were going to be with you forever, for better or for worse, isn't there anymore. They left, and you don't know why. And maybe for you... Um, it's for you and your spouse, you, you were praying and you were praying and you were praying and you felt God, that you felt like God finally answered that prayer and you're pregnant and then you received world shattering news that you lost the pregnancy. Like how could a good God let that happen? You have questions for God and you don't have answers for. I told you we're getting really like deep today and um, emo, watch that, that's about as way I can explain it. Um, and these, some, these questions sometimes make you question God. You have these questions for God that you don't have the answers for. Maybe your questions are, maybe your, your questions are around the field of science. And that's a big deal for a lot of people. It's around the the field of science, right? Because we read these stories and we read these articles and we watch these videos and we see all these things where it seems like science is contradicting and disproving the Bible. And so it becomes a question of like, God, how, God, how can I believe you when all these things and all these tests and all these experiments and they're, they're, they're observing and they're experimenting, experimenting. And how can some of these things be in contradiction with your word? Like, how can I trust your word? 
And also there's these weird things like you read in the Bible and that, that I just don't know what to do with God. Like, God, did you really say that? Like, like how can I believe that you're good and, and you're loving if your word says this? Right? And we have these questions for God that make us question God. Or maybe there's someone that you looked up to, someone you respected. Maybe it's someone who is a Christian leader or a pastor or a mentor. And maybe right now you're starting to question your youth pastor because you're like, where are we going? Like this guy is messed up and he's a pastor. And, and maybe you are, or a friend or someone you loved who was a follower of Jesus betrayed you and hurt you and hurt the trust, your trust. And maybe you looked up to them and they unfollowed Jesus. They stopped believing in God. And so now you find yourself like, how can I still believe in a God if they don't either? If they stop believing, why should I keep believing? And it, this was somebody I was learning from. Like, how do you deal with that? See, we have these questions for God and that sometimes make us question God. And, and, um, and, and I wanna tell you real quick, about the next generation, about, about Gen Z, which is about my people, not like my people, but like the people I get to lead because I'm Gen X, I'm old. And, um, but Gen Z, this is, these are the people that I get to work with, my homies. And um, I, I love these people and, and they're living in, and statistic, statistically speaking, Generation Z is the first post-Christian generation in American history. There are twice as many atheists in Generation Z as they were in the previous generation. Now, here's what post-Christian doesn't mean. Post-Christian does not mean that they grow up and they decided, you know what? Like, I don't want to believe in Jesus. So I'm going to take on this secular worldview. That's not what it means. Post-Christians means that young people today that teenagers today are growing up in a world where believing in God doesn't even seem like an option. I, I, we have students who, who in the past several months who have showed up to Emerge Youth and, and, um, and, and showing up on a Wednesday night in our youth group and this is their very first time in their life stepping inside of a church building. In most of our generation, there's like for, for most of us in this room, there's been at least like maybe a parent, a grandparent, someone in your family tree with some kind of a church background. We have students show up whose family has zero church background. And this is the generation that we get to steward, that we get to lead. And I love it. I, I've never seen a generation so hungry for the spiritual things of God. And it's exciting, it's exciting to be a part of. And so for them, a lot of times for Gen Z, they think that believing in God is kind of like believing in Santa Claus, right? And, and it's something that, um, maybe I did this when I was little, but now that I've kind of grown up a little bit, I don't do this anymore. I don't need it. And they sit there and they're looking at us and they're, they're looking at us, old people and they're thinking like, when are you guys gonna catch up to the rest of us? Like, when are you gonna let go of that belief? When are you gonna grow up? And the rest of the statistics for Gen Z are not good. 
Like statistically speaking, teenagers today are the most anxious, the most overwhelmed, the most isolated, the most depressed, the most stressed out, the most suicidal generation in American history. And that's a problem. But I wanna tell you this. This is why Emerged Youth exists to help your teenager, to help your kid, to help your son or your daughter from being a statistic and for living a better story. But we all have questions. We have questions, right? We have questions for God. We have these questions and that make us questions, questions that create doubts and that, that we're not sure what to do with because doubts can be just uncomfortable and they can be scary. And so what I'm not about to do today is to answer all of your questions. <laughs> yeah, well, thanks, Jeremy. Thanks for helping us out today. I'm not about to answer all of your questions and I can't clear up all of your doubts. We, we like simply don't have enough time to do that today. And, and, um, and I'm a pastor. Like I've been a pastor for like 20 years and, um, and I still have questions at times and I still have doubts at times. But what I want to do with the rest of our time today is I want to kind of help us create kind of a framework to be able to look, to, to be able to look at our questions and our doubts through this process and, and, and so that we can figure out there's a right way to deal with questions and to deal with doubts. Are you with me? Yeah. All right. <laughs> so wake up the person next to you and uh, here we go. So what I want to do is, is I want to look at the gospel of Matthew and Matthew, he was one of Jesus's early followers and he's a guy who spent three years walking with Jesus, learning with Jesus. And he wrote down this account of Jesus's life, his teaching, his message. And, and this is what we call the gospel of Matthew today in our Bibles. And at the end of this account, there's, there's this passage called the Great Commission. And the Great Commission is, it's Jesus, basically Jesus kind of commencement speech. Um, and where he basically says, hey, like, the, the past three years you've spent with me and now it's time for you to go change the world. How many of you guys ever been to graduations and like, you're like, it's the commencement speech and they're like, go change the world. And all these students graduating high school, they're like, okay. Okay, I don't know what I'm doing, but all right. And like, and so this is Jesus's commencement speech. He's saying, all right, now guys, I'm leaving this earth. I'm out of here. You guys go change the world. I'm entrusting the, the speech, the, the, the voice of the church to you. And, and, and I'm gonna go here and you guys go change the world. That's the great commission. And this is what Matthew is writing in, in chapter 28. If you brought a Bible, you can follow along with me. If you didn't, it'll be on the screen. Uh, we're gonna reread verses Matthew, uh, Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And Matthew says this, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority has been given to me, um, on, on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. This is his commencement speech. This is graduation. Jesus is saying, hey, we've spent the last three years together. Now it's time for you to go change the world. What I love though, 
is right before this, Matthew tells us in verses 16 and 17, he tells us this. He says this, the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but somewhat, some doubted. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. See, what Matthew is telling us here is that some of them worshiped and some doubted. See, right, there's these 11 disciples because Judas got kicked out, right? There's these 11 disciples who have spent the last three years, he kicked himself out, sorry. And um, with Jesus, they're doing life with him. They're learning from him. They watch Jesus perform miracle after miracle. They've seen Jesus literally heal the sick, give sight to the blind, comfort the lost and the broken. They've seen Jesus kind of stand up to the corruption of the religious temple of the Roman Empire. And they've seen Jesus be accused and arrested arrested and tortured and crucified and they've seen Jesus be buried in the ground buried in a grave and they saw Jesus be the one and only man in history to predict his own death and resurrection and actually pull it off and these are the 11 disciples who've seen it all they saw all of it and so what did, what's Matthew telling us here He tells us that some of them worshiped and some of them doubted. Some of them worshiped, some of them doubted. So when I, when I, I read these, when I read this, there's, there's two questions that I ask from this question. Number one, why would Matthew write this? Why? Like, because it doesn't make the disciples look good, right? Like, hey, boys, you're not looking good here. And after everything that we just said, after everything that they had seen, the experience, the years that they've been with Jesus, and they're standing here on a mountain with him, and they came back, uh, and Jesus came back from the dead, and he's standing there with them, and then some of them worshiped, and some of them doubted. I think Matthew wrote this because they doubted, Right? And, and it just, it doesn't really make sense to add that detail. Like, it's just not a good look, guys. The second question I ask is this. Why is this in the Bible? Because there, there's other letters and there's other books and documents that were written that aren't in the Bible today. So why is this? I think this made it, it, it in because that's something that we need to hear today. I think it's, it's what Matthew would want you to know is, is this, is that your doubts don't disqualify you. Yeah. I want to say that again. So your doubts don't disqualify you. Jesus is Jesus and he conquered death and he, he's, he was back from the dead and he's about to go to heaven and he knew that they had doubts and they didn't feel like, um, and here's the thing, he didn't feel like he needed to clear up all those doubts before he sent them out to change the world. I think Matthew would want you to know that your doubts don't disqualify you. I think he would want you to know today that your doubts don't make you a bad Christian. Doubt makes you human. And, and I think that you, Matthew would want you to know that the presence of doubt is not an absence of faith. But that doubt, it actually invites us to a deeper level of faith. 
there's this quote by this theologian named uh, Frank Buchner, and he says this about doubts. He says that doubts are the ants in the pants of faith. Very deep right there, right? They, they, they keep it moving and they keep it awake. And I think Matthew would want you to know that if you have doubts and, and, and if, if you don't have doubts and if you don't have questions, are you really following Jesus? Because here we are, we're, we're following Jesus really close and there are times where we have doubts and, and we have questions and even after everything that we've seen. So if you don't have doubts, are you really following Jesus? So what do we do? What do we do with our questions? What do we do with our doubts? And I love this because I was reading this passage and I'm comforted knowing that I'm not the only weirdo because I, I don't have all the answers to the questions. Questions for God that sometimes make us question God. And I think what Matthew is trying to help us to um, understand here is that our, our questions and our doubts aren't the problem. That our questions and our doubts are actually the key ingredient to a deeper faith. So what do we do with our questions? What do we do with our doubts? Well, I'm glad you asked. And that's what we're gonna talk about. What do we do? The first thing is this. If you're taking notes, because we say that note takers are? Oh, you guys are good. And note takers go to heaven too, just so you know. So work with me. Um, first thing we do, first things first, we bring our questions to God. We bring our questions to God and, and then we, we process our doubts and we trust and we follow Jesus anyway. So first we bring our questions to God. So when we have questions, what do we do? We bring them to God. Why do we do that? Because God is bigger than your questions. If God isn't bigger than your questions, then that thing that you call God is not God because you, you have a question that's bigger than God and there's nothing bigger than God. The problem is that so often we try to put God in this neat little nice little box and with a bow on it and it looks wonderful. And this is, this is just, this, this is God and it's, it's cute. He's cute. And he just, he fits right in this little box and it makes us feel safe. And it makes us have all the answers. But God's bigger than any box that we try to put him in. And the problem is over and over again, I hear stories of people who unfollow Jesus because they ran into a question that was bigger than their box. So the question like blew up in the box and okay, because the box is gone, I must not believe in God because he's not as big as the question. No, that thing you put in the box was not God. That question you didn't need, that question didn't need to, to blow up your faith and cause you to run away. That question was actually an invitation to, uh, to, in a deeper, to a deeper relationship with God. So what do we do? Let's reevaluate. Let your questions drive you, drive you to a deeper understanding of who God really is. Are you still with me? <laughs> okay, it got, it's quieter. Okay. Uh, um, as many of you guys know, um, we've told this story for a while now and, and it's still impactful to us and to our lives. Is um, My wife, Kristen, uh, about a year and a half ago was diagnosed with thyroid cancer and um, and, and praise God, 
surgery was successful and, and the cancer was removed and so was the thyroid. Now she, every single day, she takes thyroid medicine and, and, um, and it took, I say us, I had no involvement in the process. It took her a, a while for, um, and maybe some of you guys can relate, it took for, for her for a while to get the correct um, medicines to be able to keep her leveled and, and things like that. And not like she would like unstable, just so you guys know. Um, I'm not saying that because she's amazing. Like she's the most wonderful person you'll ever meet. Thank you, God. Um, I'm just kidding. She's amazing. Um, but, but what it did is it left her tired all the time and, and worn out and fatigued all the time when her levels were off. And, and, um, and even at times today, there's still a struggle from time to time. And, and just so you know, this is the person I love most in the world. Like, and, and who I've said, like, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to love you no matter what. And I, and I wanted so badly just to take away what she's dealing with but I can't. And I pray every day that God would heal her and, and every day that, that he would and, and he hasn't. So I'm left at times with questions for God. God, why would you let this person who I love most in the world, who I know, who, who loves you, who, who we both love, we both serve. We're doing everything that we know how to do. God, why, why didn't you answer that prayer? God, I believe that you can. I know that you can. Your word says that you can. I've seen healings, miracles in other people's lives. I trust that you will. But, but why isn't it happening here yet? We're still waiting. It, along that same route, my oldest son, Jackson, the exact same weekend as Kristen's surgery to remove her thyroid and, and her cancer, we learned that Jackson's pancreas had stopped working and he, now he's type one diabetic. That same weekend, what a great weekend that was. My son that I love so much, his senior year, and we're trying to figure out his, his health, we're like sticking his fingers all the time, testing for blood. Like you would, you would stick it over here and you would squeeze and blood would come out over there. Like we'd stuck his fingers so much and like insulin is expensive and an insulin pump is super expensive. And like, what can he eat? What can he not eat? And we're, we're like, we're still praying for that pancreas to wake up. I believe he can. I believe God can heal it. But why hasn't it happened yet? See, we have these questions for God that sometimes can make us question God. But what we've committed to do, we've committed to bring our questions to God. And and the thing is that we still don't have all the answers. But here's what I do know. I know that God is using it in ways that we couldn't have ever imagined. Um, what I'm learning is that there's purpose in pain. What it, it doesn't make sense to me sometimes, and I and I I don't have an answer for all the questions. Um, and and even the things that I don't have an answer for, I still bring my questions to God. And he responds. And here's how he responds. With love and with power. 
He responds to show me and to let me know that he's bigger than my questions. He gives me a sense of peace. He, he fills me with his presence that, that I can't even really explain explain it's a peace that doesn't make sense the bible calls it a peace that passes all understanding we bring our questions to god and every time god responds he responds with love and he responds with power it may not be what i want and what i expect every single time we bring our questions to god and we see over and over again that he's bigger than our questions So what do we do with our questions? What do we do with our doubts? We bring our questions to God. The second thing is this. We process our doubts with people we trust. See, I love this story in in Matthew here where he's he's writing about um, some of the disciples where he says some worshiped and some doubted. And it just makes me ask the questions like, okay, like how did Matthew know that some doubted? Right, I highly doubt that Matthew was just sitting there, like writing this story and looking at everybody's faces when Jesus. Oh, yeah, okay, Bartholomew. He looks like he's doubting right now, right? And like I, 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 I like poor Bartholomew, right? And that's just not what happened. I, I think what happened is they they talked about it because they spent years together. They knew that they couldn't process their, they, they knew that they could process their doubts with each other because they trusted each other. And as human beings, we need people like that. We need people that we can process our doubts with, that we can talk through these things with. That's why I love the local church so much is because it's a church that you can bring your questions to. It's a church that you can bring your doubts to. Even when I was a a, a young adult um, and I struggled with my relationship with God, the only reason that I continued to come to church is because I lived at home and my mom said, hey, if you're gonna live in my house, you're gonna go to church. And I said, yes, ma'am, because church is cheaper than rent. Come on, somebody, that'll preach. And that's the reason I showed up. But I showed up. And I continue to show up and because I felt a love and acceptance that just didn't make sense to me because there were people who loved me that, that even though I had questions, who accepted me, even though I had doubts, that's a place that you can bring your questions and your doubts. There were these amazing ladies like Judy Libby and this guy named Kent Helberg and like this guy was crazy. He shot up with shot up with elephant tranquilizers and like he's got the craziest stories and he was our worship leader crazy guy and um and and the the and just these amazing people who i loved and who i trusted he didn't do that while he led worship just so make that clear that was in his uh life before he was a follower of jesus um it's like ah sorry my mind is going everywhere um but the local church is a place where you can you can find people who, who want to help you process your doubts. <laughs> I can't get that on my mind. And I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to get involved, to get involved and to find a way to get involved because I want you to know that none of us were meant to do life alone. We, we, we were meant to do life with other people. And those disciples had their people and you need your people. 
And this is important because I remember reading a study years ago about a college university that was asking college students, hey, they, they said, when you started going to college, why did you stop going to church? When you graduated high school, why did you graduate from church? And the number one reason was not that they had questions. It was not that they had doubts. The number one reason is that they, had, they did have questions and they did have doubts, but they didn't feel like the church was a safe place to talk about it. They felt like that their church, that their faith, that their, their faith community was not a safe place for them to ask questions or to express their doubts. I want you to know that that's not the case for this church. This is why, this is why Emerge Youth matters. This is why our young adult ministry matters. Shout out my young adults. Uh-huh. Okay. This, they're not awake yet, guys, okay? Um, that's why our youth ministry matters. That's why our young adult ministry matters because every single Wednesday night for our students, every single Monday night for our young adults, and I want to tell you, for your kids, for your teenagers, like um, we have these things that in our student ministry, we call them our fam times. And this is basically our, our small groups. We build them into Wednesday nights and, and where they can get in these, these groups and they can ask questions and they can process their doubts. And because they're gonna be with other students their age and an adult leader who loves them and who's passionate about helping lead your kids into, into a, a loving and more meaningful, productive lives in, in following Jesus. Because what I know is that if we don't wrestle with these questions, if we don't process our doubts, then our faith will never grow and mature and be stronger. And we wanna create an environment every Wednesday night for your kids, for your teenagers to wrestle with their questions and to process their doubts so they can have a meaningful and deeper faith. So get your kids to emerge on Wednesday nights, seventh to 12th grade. Get your kids, little ones, to kids' church I'm telling you, it, it will change the trajectory of their faith journey. So what do we do with our questions and with our doubts? We bring them to God. We process our doubts with people we trust. And the third thing is this. We follow Jesus anyway. Oh, this is really deep theological today, guys. Another one of Jesus' disciples, one of the guys who, who stood there on the mountain uh, with the worshipers and with the doubters, his name is John. And he wrote the gospel of John and, and his account is of Jesus' life and his teachings. And he tells about this event where Jesus preached a sermon. And it seemed like it was kind of weird. It was, he was talking about cannibalism. He's like, if you, you drink my blood and eat my body. And like, this was, oh, Jesus, whoa, hey. We're trying to get followers here, right? And, 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 and like Jesus, if this is what you're trying to do, it's not working out for you. And, and, and this moment where, where Jesus, he, he says, he's saying these things to these people and they just, they don't understand. They don't understand his message that he's trying to preach and um, they don't know what to do with it and they have questions and, and um, they have doubts and they walk away. And then Jesus in John uh, 6 67 to 69, and, and I didn't put this in the notes. You can write this down to yourself, but he turns to his disciples and he asks them the question. He says, you don't wanna leave too, do you? 
And then Peter and, and uh, one of his followers responds and he says, Lord, to whom shall we go? To whom shall we go? Because Jesus, if we're not following you, then we're gonna be following someone else or something else. And, and, and I can't trust that person or that thing to get me to where I wanna go, but I can trust you, Jesus, because you have the words of eternal life. And I come to believe and, I come, and, I, and I've come to, to know that you are the Holy One of God. See, there, there's times in my life where I'm, I'm overwhelmed by my questions and by my doubts because following Jesus at times, it can be hard. If you got into this faith thing and people told you it was gonna be easy, I'm sorry, someone lied to you. There are times where I like, I have these questions that I don't have answers for and I have these doubts that I don't know what to do with. Is it even worth it sometimes? And every time I ask the question, where else would I go? Where else would I go? There there are honestly times where uh, the reason I keep following Jesus because there's not a better option. Man, I sound terrible today. Welcome to Crown Point Church. This is your youth pastor. (laughs) But I keep coming back. I keep coming back to this one event, the resurrection of Jesus, that I can't find a better explanation for. Listen, if if you ask atheists, if you ask theist scholars, they will agree that there are certain things that happened. They will all agree that Jesus lived. They'll agree that that he died by crucifixion and and at the hands of the Romans. They'll agree that Jesus' followers believed that Jesus came back from the dead because they started telling everyone that like, hey, he was resurrected. Like, now come and follow him. Like, they believe that something happened and that that convinced his followers that Jesus really came back from the dead. They all agree that James, the brother of Jesus, who was not, I would, I would argue to say that he was not a follower of Jesus at that time or not a believer in Jesus. Um, he didn't follow Jesus until after Jesus' death. They all agreed that he was one of the, even one of the early church leaders. Like whoever worship team come back up, we're gonna close. See, what would it take to convince you that your brother was the son of God, right? Like, just think about it. Here's what it would have taken me with my brother. I know my brother. It would literally take my brother doing this. Hey, I'll make a bet with you. I bet you that if I die and I come back from the dead, and if I do, you gotta call me Lord, right? And, and, um, but if I don't, you can have all my things, right? And like, okay, bet. What, what's crazy is that in our Bibles today, there's, there's this letter from James, the brother of Jesus. And in the very first line, he calls Jesus Lord. Nobody argues that Jesus, his brother James, he, he lived and he called Jesus Lord. Nobody argues that there's a guy who's, who named Saul who had this radical conversion because he used to hunt down and kill Christians and then something happened and he changed his name to Paul and then he became one of the biggest proponents of Christianity in history and so much growth of the early church was due to Saul who became Paul who used to hate Christians and he told everybody that Jesus came back from the dead and now you need to follow him. They don't argue that data. They don't argue that evidence. 
They just argue about what it means and the thing that there's, there, there's not a better explanation than Jesus is who he says he is. He's the Holy One. See, every time I have questions, every time I have doubts, I come back to this one event, the resurrection of Jesus. And I believe that he is who he says he is. And what I love is that some of them worshiped and some of them doubted, but they all kept following Jesus. Maybe you're in this room. Maybe you have moments where you're like, yeah, I'm worshiping. And then maybe you have moments you're like, I don't know. But we still follow Jesus. At any moment, they could have said, ah, I was just kidding, right? Like, just kidding. Like, I didn't actually believe in Jesus. And, they, and, and, and all of these guys, all of these guys, their lives would have been spared. But they didn't. They went to their death proclaiming that Jesus was Lord. Ten of the disciples, the 11th was exiled for the rest of his life because of his faith in Jesus. I'm gonna close with this and I have this little stupid story that I wanna tell you and then we're just gonna, wow. Um, You may not realize this, but in high school, I played football. You're like, oh, you little guy, you played football? Um, And on my football team, we had this guy he was six foot four and 300 pounds. He was a man amongst boys. He was an offensive guard. And now, um, believe it or not, I was a running back and uh, uh, one of them. And uh, we, this, this guy on our football team um, at this time, he got letters from every major college football. I went to his house. He was, he's actually two years older than me, uh, my brother's age. And I went to his house one time with my brother and he was just going through shoeboxes full of like Florida State, Nebraska, Oklahoma, like Penn State, you name it. He had a letter from there. And um, he, every football team in the nation wanted him to come play for, for them. And, and when we would run plays, guess where we would run the play? Behind this guy, Right? right behind this guy. Why? Because he's six foot four, 300 pounds. I remember one time in the locker room, coach was like giving his pep talks like coaches do. And um, he used some colorful words as well. I'm not going to use those today. Um, he, was, he was in the locker room talking to the offense and, and he said, everybody, I want you to look around the room. What do you see? You see a guy over here who's six foot four, 300 pounds. That's what you see. And he looked at me and he said, Jeremy, how tall are you? And I said, on paper or for real? Because coaches always lie on paper, right? This would make their roster look bigger. And, and he listed me at 5'7". I couldn't dream of that. Like, I'm, I'm like, I'm 5'4", I'm coach. And um, maybe 5'3", I don't know. But he said, and he was like, Jeremy, how much do you weigh? And I'm like, oh, 135 pounds soaking wet. And he went around the room Asking, asking guys in the room that question, he said, think about it, men. There's no other guy in this room that's six foot four, 300 pounds on this team. He said, all of these college football coaches who are showing up here to the game, they're not watching you, Jeremy. And I'm like, oh, thanks, coach. They came to see this guy. Jeremy, he's literally twice the person you are. The coach had a good point, you know. If you're going to win, you got to play to your strengths. And, and, 
And he, we, we took the inventory of our team. Oh, they're, they're coming to see him. He's, he's the biggest, he's the fastest, he's the strongest. Like church, could we stop for a moment and be honest and look around and say, I'm pretty average. I'm pretty ordinary. But there's one amongst us who six foot four and 300 pounds doesn't even begin to describe his greatness, his majesty, his beauty, his glory. Jesus is enough. And I want to tell you today that if we will make Jesus a really big deal, we will be so attractive to outsiders. I'm so glad to be a part of this family. Every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. Um, there may be some of you here today and, and maybe for you it's, it's questions and there's doubts and maybe for you there's reasons that you've unfollowed Jesus or maybe it's questions and doubts that um, are, are the reason that you never followed Jesus. But today there's something inside of you that's longing for more. And... and um, Maybe today, like, maybe just in this moment, in the silliness of preaching that God is speaking to you in this moment and you realize right now, right here today that you need, to, you need to become a follower of Jesus. You need to ask Jesus to come into your life. And this is what I'm inviting you to do. Maybe even with all of your questions, with all of your doubts and you're here today and you're wanting to say yes to Jesus. If that's you in this room, would you just simply lift your hand? Thank you. Is there anybody else? Thank you. All right. We're going to pray this morning. And then, um, I know it's late. We need to go to lunch. Um, but we're going to pray. And um, I'm just going to ask the whole crowd to pray with me. And if that's you, if you raise your hands, um, you just pray this prayer like you mean it today. Could everyone stand with me? Let's all pray together. Would you repeat after me? Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. I'm turning from my sins. I'm turning towards you. I need your love. I need your grace. I need your mercy. I give you my life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can we celebrate our friends this morning? Um, if you need to go, you can go, but I'm just going to ask our, our worship team, if we would just sing that line of that song, um, and maybe there's some of you here this morning, maybe you need to respond in prayer and uh, we want to meet you here at the front and we want to be able to pray with you. But like I said, if you need to go, please, please feel free to be dismissed. Um, but maybe you're here today. You, you need prayer. You just want to spend a moment with God. You want to spend time with him. I'm just going to ask you as, as the worship team begins to sing, begins to play, that you just begin to respond. And let's, uh, that's how we're going to close today. We love you guys. We'll see you next week. Jesus, I